All right. Welcome, everybody, to our first ever Impact Columbus podcast, where we talk about all things healthy moms and healthy babies in Bartholomew County and beyond. We are excited to bring you trusted local experts weighing in on topics from preconception care to optimal pregnancy and even all things baby. Today, join us as we chat with Dr. DeGaulle Haile, OBGYN, Dr. Rachel Kirshner, pediatric hospitalist, and Natasha Brockhouse, ICBLC and lactation wizard. We're here to chat about how we can best support moms and babies through the holidays during this epidemic. I'll let our friends introduce themselves. Uh, hello, I'm Dr. Rachel Kirshner, pediatrician and pediatric hospitalist at Columbus Regional Health, and I've been here in the Columbus area for over seven years. Good morning. My name is uh, DeGaul Haile. I am uh, also been here in Columbus for seven plus years. I think we got here around the same time. I am an OBGYN at Columbus Regional Hospital and at uh, OBGYN Associates of Columbus. Hi, I'm Natasha Brockhouse. I'm an IBCLC, a LLHA League leader, and I staff nurse and chat, and I am the um, coordinator and chair of the Breastfeeding Coalition. Well, thanks for coming out, everybody. Super early on a Thursday morning. So the idea here was we just kind of wanted to chat through how we can best support moms and babies here in Columbus uh, during the holidays, because we know it's going to be a little bit different this year. Um, and during, you know, with the constraints of a pandemic, which is new for all of us. Uh, I did send out a couple of questions ahead of time. So these lovely folks have had a chance to prep a bit. Um, and I think the biggest one that a lot of our, our expectant moms and new moms are wondering about this year is, should grandparents visit? moms and babies or, you know, extended family visit moms and babies during this pandemic and then vice versa. Should they visit? Basically, should we be mixing families with moms and babies this year? So uh, I didn't know if Dr. Kirshner, you wanted to start out with that? Sure. Um, this has undoubtedly been a tough year. And I think we're at the point in this pandemic where a lot of people are experiencing a lot of pandemic fatigue. Um, and, and it's been very socially isolating for a lot of people. And especially with the holidays coming up, that's a very emotional time for a lot of people where families and traditions are um, a very common thing. Um, we worry about babies um, and holiday gatherings every year, to be honest. Um, coronavirus just kind of adds another layer to that. But um, coronavirus isn't the only illness that can potentially impact babies this time of year, um, especially our, our little babies less than two months of age. Um, for them, fever is a big deal. It's what we consider an emergency. It requires immediate evaluation and workup. And um, that's kind of hard for those families who have to go through that. There are other illnesses that come around this time of year, like flu and RSV, um, that, you know, can put a young infant in the hospital and get them quite sick pretty quickly. Um, and then there are, you know, even with coronavirus, with children, maybe not being quite as affected as adults are, um, even a fever and an illness in your young baby is tough. If you've been one of those moms who have had a young child who's sick, even if they don't require hospitalization, them having, you know, cough and respiratory illness and fever um, is pretty miserable. So we just really encourage people to be extra careful, especially with their young infants during this time. Yeah, I think, you know, we talked earlier about my had a kiddo in PICU last year with RSV and just that alone was so stressful and emotionally draining and difficult and, you know, was, wasn't cheap either. So yeah. if we could find a way to avoid that this year, even without the coronavirus, thinking about just those little teeny tiny people and their teeny tiny immune systems makes it really hard. So 
to answer the question, should we visit moms and babies, (laughs) you think? Uh, My gut reaction was no kidding, not kidding. Um, I know it's tough. I know it's not popular. Um, My family had um, our third child uh, in mid-November, and we had family who wasn't really big into flu vaccines, and we did not have family gatherings that year because we felt like the risk to our infant who could not get a flu vaccine was too high. And we just kind of did our own thing that year. And it wasn't great, um, but we all survived and got back together when the risk wasn't as high. I think that's a really good point, too, is it's one year. It's not, you know, this is what we're going to do forever. It's that this year when we have a teeny tiny baby, we're not going to take that risk on. And I think that that's a worthwhile consideration for people. Yeah. Um, Dr. Hiley, do you have anything to add? Uh, I think those are all excellent points. And I agree with everything Dr. Kirshner said. Um, My brain does. My heart is still broken and has to deal with it daily. And I don't think I'm any different than anybody else in that way. Um, I think part of the problem this year and what I've seen in in our practice is that um, it's November of the pandemic. It's not February or March of the pandemic. And, you know, if you think back of everything we've all quote unquote gone through, you know, from the grocery runs to the toilet paper fiasco to people have slowly chipped away at their resilience, slowly chipped away at their uh, coping mechanisms, probably support systems and now their mental health. And so Thanksgiving, my personal favorite holiday is when the family finally got together. You got four days for people with college freshmen. This is their first time they're coming home for an extended so uh, weekend. So it's, it means a lot of things. Um, and it's also multi-generational, of course. And, you know, it's a huge loss when that's exactly what we needed was a holiday like Thanksgiving to get everybody together. It would have been a great way to end the pandemic. But alas, that's not where we are. And where, where we are is at the end of our mental health and resilience. For some people, we're kind of at the beginning of their um real economic struggles. And I don't think our community is immune to that. So on top of that now put in is gone the hope for getting together as a family. And um, I think that's just hard for everybody to deal with. And so what I'm seeing more and more of is actually people having real mental health issues from, 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 um, from, from the lack of, um, I guess, communion with our family members and friends. Having said all that, you still got to survive this stuff. And uh, so from from the medical perspective, pregnant women should be considered immunocompromised, meaning their immune systems um, are going to be less robust than they were if they're in a non-pregnant state for, for biological reasons, which means they're more susceptible to getting really sick when they do get sick. And add to that, you know, if a mom already has other medical issues, specifically things like asthma, then she's an extra risk and, and she's responsible for an extra life at the same time. Um, and I'm seeing, you know, having to talk more to people into, no, no, this is the year that you actually definitely need your flu vaccine, not less so, more so. You know, all those public health measures that we took beforehand are even more important now, not less. And people are fatigued and stressed and tired and, you know, our political climate doesn't help. And so it's a lot, it's a lot for people to process through. So think about it like this. Don't, if you're the family member visiting, think about not putting your pregnant family member through 
the tough decision of telling you not to come. Maybe don't even put them in that position because they're probably as 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 stressed as you are. She's probably more st- more stressed than you are, and don't add the burden of telling her no, don't come. You know, maybe maybe think of it that way. If if you're not the pregnant person, if you are the pregnant person, for all the things I said above, as much as excuse my colorful language, as much as it sucks, just just it's not recommended this year as much as possible. Um, I guess I'll make exceptions for if you've been stuck quarantined together for the last six months, it's probably fine. Um, if it's, if it's, if it's your, if the visit is really considered essential visit, like really essential visit, then, then, then use, you know, the masks and use the social distancing and and do it as carefully as you can. Excellent. I think that that really hits on like, we're all just really tired. We're so tired of this. We thought we would be done by now and we're not, and we don't know when we will be. And I think that that's the piece that is really hard is that we have no clue when this is going to end. And we really thought we'd be there by now. And then all the other added stressors on top of it. But I also liked what you said about kind of considering, you know, you've got a baby to think of now. And I think this might be your first, you know, parenthood's all about sacrifice and doing things that you don't want to do for other people. And this is maybe your first thing that you're sacrificing for them is, you know, you don't get to have your holiday like you'd like. And that's just part of being a parent this year. So it's good practice, right? (laughs) Um, And I think that kind of, you started to touch on the next question about what special precautions we should take if we do visit. I liked what I heard about masks, maybe, um, if there's any other creative ideas for if you do visit, um, it's something we always worry about anyway, but let alone now. Um, and the risk not only to mom and baby, but also to the older family members that they might be visiting. So I'll let you take it away, Dr. Kirshner. Okay. Um, keeping the crowd smaller is definitely a big one. Um, you may be used to multi-generational, all the aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents, uh, but certainly as the weather gets cooler and we're not able to be outside, which is definitely recommended, um, once these gatherings start to happen inside, it's going to be even more critical to keep those numbers low so that we can try to maintain that six foot distance, really good hand washing, mask wearing if possible. Um, but, but we get what we're asking. That's not normal natural when you're getting together with family, especially inside homes. Um, A big one for me is um, similar risks. So if you've got family who have not been doing all the extra things, um, you know, perhaps that's a little bit less risky if they haven't been going out to eat in restaurants and hanging around other people um, who don't live in their household in the more, you know, unsafe environments, um, as opposed to somebody who's really been taking little to no precaution. Um, hand washing is always a big one. Um, and we recommend flu shots for everybody, um, and trying to get those in, you know, a good two weeks before that visit to, to give yourself some time to get protected is huge. I think I I really liked what you said about similar risks in other family members. We were considering a trip at one point with other family members. And I said to my husband, you know, we are only as protected as the least protected person. So yes. if, you know, your brother-in-law is going out and doing XYZ and it's counter to what you and your household are doing, you're taking on the risk that they have exposed themselves to. So it's not just, you know, everyone has to be locked down for two weeks. That would be ideal, right? <laughs> but, you know, in our household, we have somebody who is an essential worker, so he has to go out. So regardless, no matter what, if someone's in our, you know, bubble of risk, 
I just made that word up, but it should totally be a thing. Um, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) If we bring somebody into our bubble of risk, which we have an in-home sitter now, so she's kind of like in our our risk bubble, she is just as exposed because of his interactions. And we have to kind of all communicate that, which is, that's a whole different podcast about communicating with your extended family. We'll do that one later. (laughs) Um, Just a mental note. Um, That, you know, this is what we expect. Hopefully you can also do that. And if not, let us know so that we can be as aware as possible of what, you know, we're walking into, which that's really hard. Yeah. Right? Additional thoughts, Dr. Hiley? Uh, Specifically for pregnant women, I want to add that, you know, as we have a a pregnant um, lady coming to term, starting at around 37, 38 weeks, we're asking everybody who can to start quarantining at home. Uh, and 40 weeks being usually when people deliver 40, 40, 41 weeks. And the reason for that is the last two weeks, we really want to minimize exposure because that's probably the riskiest time for moms. And if you're positive, you know, you come to the hospital. Now you have to, not only do you have to live with the other restrictions, but now you have to be in isolation room. Now everybody who comes in contact with you has to have the Darth Vader suits on. You know, it's not enough to just be masking in front of you. And, and I think the happiest day of your life, that's horrible that we have to go through that. And it breaks my heart every time we do it. It's, it gives me no joy. And I know it gives the family even less joy. But um, that's something that, you know, if you can, if you have the option to work from home, work from home. If you have the option to not work and you, instead of working from home, take it on. The last two to three weeks of your pregnancy are, are key to minimize your exposure. And that goes for everybody around you. So if you've done that and then you have a large family gathering at the last minute before you go in, it kind of doesn't serve you any purpose. Um, part of the reason to do that is not just to be, you know, to avoid being sick at the time of delivery. Now you've delivered and you're positive, then somebody like Dr. Kirshner has to come in and have the incredibly uncomfortable, horrible conversation with, well, you know, technically we recommend you be quarantined from your brand new, you know, baby for two weeks. Dr. Kirshner, correct me if I'm wrong, but that is not a conversation you relish. It it is not. It's tough to tell a parent that they need to wear a mask and not smile at their baby for two weeks to wash their hands and stay six feet apart as as much as they can. That's not easy. No, absolutely not. And so these are the things I think we owe our community to tell them to think about because these are the things we think about for them, not just for our families, but I think it's, it's easier to... At least for me, it's easier to say, well, to rationalize the things I do around my family. It's much harder for me to know that somebody who did nothing to sign up with accepting the risk that I go through. Like, you know, if I'm, you know, try to think like a community member and think about that person next to you. So you're the risky person in the Unfortunately, in the bubble yes, of or, risk. or as my wife says, the tribute. And... <laughs> I didn't know what that meant because yes, I, and didn't. so they, everybody in my house explained to me the whole Hunger Games thing. So now, unfortunately, because of pandemic, I know about Hunger yeah, Games. Yeah, you definitely are. We appreciate that. But yeah, I think also that touches on a point that I think is really scary for new parents is the, the idea of if I'm positive when the baby's delivered and you could be asymptomatic and not know at all. Um, and already that birth experience is so different than you probably pictured when you started your pregnancy. Um, like you pictured maybe your mom being there and people visiting and you know, that whole thing. And that's already different than it might've been if you have other kids and your husband needs to stay home with that one, maybe he won't get to be there. And I think that this is just another added layer of stress and something else that could be lost that if we can mitigate that at all, let's do that. Right. 
Natasha, I haven't heard much from you, and I apologize. Do you have any thoughts on that? No. Ab- well, absolutely. I, I absolutely agree with everything Dr. Kirshner and Dr. Haile said. Um, one thing, um, too, is if I know everyone loves to touch a new squishy baby. Um, everyone loves to touch them. But with everything that's going on, um, it's really recommended kind of take more of a hands-off approach um, this year and even every year with little babies, but especially this year. Um, Moms can wear their baby in a ring sling or a soft-sided carrier, and then the baby is with mom. Uh, Mom's always touching baby. You can always see the baby, um, which is good. And also we have the wonderful and maybe not so wonderful technology. So, you know, a lot of people are now using Zoom. Um, They're using a lot of, um, you know, time on their phone. So, you know, you can always call your family, FaceTime your family, Zoom your family and have meetings that way. And that way they can still see the baby, hear the baby, but it's just a more safe option. Definitely. We had Zoom Easter this year. It was very weird. Every birthday was a Zoom birthday. Yeah. And my kids are little and it was before they'd started doing all the like Zoom and e-learning and all that. And so, and I think my kids are among the oldest of all their cousins. So it was really just five different families with children. It's like screaming at a monitor, but we felt very close and it's how we celebrated Easter this year. So I think there's gonna be a lot more of that, trying to figure out how to, to use technology to our benefit and not to our ill, which I could do another whole podcast about that too. But, um, Okay. That's very helpful. And then if a nursing mom were to visit uh, grandparents, how can that grandparent best support that nursing mom? I think um, one thing is to just kind of give the, give the mom a new baby space. So if they, I mean, I'm not saying that a mom has to hide when they're nursing or anything like that, but it's always nice to have a private space that you feel relaxed, the baby can relax, where there's less noise and distraction. Um, Mom can relax, nurse baby, um, you know, if you bring her a snack or bring her water, um, you know, and just make sure mom is comfortable and that's a good way. Um, and it always it's always important to have a safe sleeping space for baby. So have a pack and play, um, you know, have a safe space for baby to sleep. Well, that just leads in directly to my next question. It's like Wonderful. you knew it. Definitely amazing. Uh, what do we need to prepare our home for a baby? So say, you know, you guys have done your quarantine and you've decided that you are good with this risk level, even though maybe not the best idea, but you're going to do it anyway. Because I know sometimes people, they're going to do things anyway, right? We're going to tell them not to do it, but they're going to do it. And it's America and that's, you can do it. Um, so if this family decides to get together and mom and baby are going to visit grandparents' house or wherever, what can the hosting family do um, to prepare their home for a baby anytime, really, but also, you know, especially during the holidays and this whole pandemic situation? Dr. Kirshner. Yeah, so we've touched on safe sleep, and that's definitely a huge one. I think that's probably the most important thing to remember is that, you know, every baby needs to have their own sleep space and be laying on their back without the extra clutter and things in there with them. So pack and plays are great for that. Um, 
couple other things that I always think about with maybe going to a different home um, are pets. Sometimes we don't really think about our pets, but especially if they're not used to being around babies or young children, um, you just have to really, you know, kind of keep in mind that they may not be used to the things that this little person does. Um, so just ensuring that, you know, everyone stays safe, that a large pet isn't able to accidentally, you know, step on or, or get on a young baby. Um, if you've got more of that crawling infant toddler age range, you know, you can have a very nice animal until they're, you know, provoked in a way that little children like to sometimes do. So just really ensuring their safety that way, I think is important. And then we also think a lot about um, secondhand smoke exposure. So we really recommend that um, infants and young children not be exposed to secondhand smoke. So if you do happen to be a smoker and having young kids or infants come stay with you, um, taking that extra step of going outside and wearing a jacket, washing your hands and things like like that, that secondhand smoke can really lead lead to a lot of additional problems, more respiratory tract infections, more ear infections, higher rates of SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome. So all good things to think about. Definitely. I think also one thing that we sometimes talk about when we talk about grandparents and safe sleep is things have changed a lot. Mm -hmm. And so um, I know I've seen some grandparents that they've kept the crib for when their baby was a baby, like maybe in the, let's just say 80s. Late that would 70s, definitely be my mom. Maybe. Um, and so they have like those Jenny Lynn like drop side mm -hmm. cribs, which are no longer recommended. They've got the big fluffy bumpers. No. Some people do. I don't, I don't never anybody I've no, dealt with. I can't with. believe they're not recommended anymore. Oh, yeah. I'm no pediatrician. I look That's at them. how I grew up. And so kind of looking at, at that, if you're bringing somebody in, making sure you're up on what the new standards are for safe sleep. And then please, if mom says that maybe that's not the best way to do things. We have, I've had families before say like, well, I know that this isn't what we're supposed to do because they told me at the hospital and they told me at my doctor's office, that we're not supposed to do this, but grandma's adamant that we all slept on our bellies and it was fine. And that's a really hard position, I think, for moms to challenge their, you know, moms and grandmas about that. So I think one of the best things you could do around safe sleep is A, make sure you do have a safe sleep environment. Pack and plays are ideal. They're cheap. You can get them at Target um, and you can move them around from your room, which I love. And B, to really kind of learn about safe sleep so that if you have a, a notion that maybe isn't as timely, um, you don't end up in a, a squabble with your family about that because that's really hard for moms, new moms to kind of push back on. So um, I think that that's one thing we all kind of struggle with sometimes. Yeah. Great education at cribsforkids.org. You can become a safe sleep ambassador and be up to date on all the latest information about what's safe for our babies and sleeping. Absolutely. We'll put a link to that on this. Um, and it's like a 20 minute online tutorial. It's really easy. We love it. So I love a plug for safe sleep. It just makes my day. Um, Natasha, do you have anything to add on getting her home ready for baby or mom? Um, again, just, you know, having a space for mom. It doesn't have to be anything fancy, just a chair, a comfortable chair for mom. Um, and then again, just a safe, safe sleep space for baby. Um, you know, everybody wants to hold the baby and they're like, well, you know, the baby won't roll over. I've got a bed in the room. Uh, we really just need a safe space for baby. So again, I just want to back that up. Awesome. Uh, my last question I think we've already hit on was any special considerations for a pregnant mom. Is there anything you'd like to add to that that you haven't already? Well, you know, I have a little bit of a background in psychology and I always go back to the mental health because I think that's the beginning and the end of all motivations and we can have all the policies and things that we want, but at the end of the day, it's not going to get done unless our brains and our hearts are in it. And so, 
Um, I'm always dis- disheartened when you know people see this as a zero sum game, meaning it's you're either you know living in a respirator or you're just out breathing on everybody. And I think, you know, I think that's part of the problem. And I think people are stressed out. Any little thing you can do is helpful. You know, keep a little social distance. But if you have to get together or you think you're just going to lose it, you know, keep the safe distance and do what you need to do. You know, make it a no judgment game. Don't don't hate on your family members, on your friends. Don't be like, well, you know what? You're not following recommendations. I can't have anything to do with you or, you know, you're blah, 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 you know, like one extreme or the other. Like leave the judgment out. Do whatever little you can. Be as supportive as you can be of that person next to you. Because as you're seeing them act out in a way that you disapprove, maybe instead of looking at the action, think about what is it that they're going through that's leading to this? You know, what is the, what is what is really going on behind those eyes, you know, in that heart? And um, you're never going to convince anybody by judging them and preaching at them and screaming and yelling at them. And I guess I'll put out my plug for that. Just because you don't follow recommendations doesn't mean I'm going to hate you far from it. You know, if there's anything that I can do to help you, I will. And hopefully, you know, even if you're not together as a family physically, that you should still figure out a way to be there for each other otherwise, because I don't think we've needed each other more than now. Definitely not. I think that that brings up a really good point that that everyone has to weigh their risks individually. And that my risk isn't the same as anybody else's. And that what I decide to do with that risk with my family is my decision. But you also have to accept the consequences of that, right? So like, yes, it's my choice. Yes, it's your choice. That's cool. But like, just as long as we're all communicating and on the same page about like, hey, this is what my family's doing. That's what your family's doing. But there's no place to judge. There's no reason to judge because like everything else, people are are making their own choices based on what they're doing. And hopefully... um, People have gotten, heard what we've had to say, weighed out the risks for themselves and tried to mitigate as much as they can. And if that mitigation and those risks leads to, I'm not going anywhere for Christmas and Thanksgiving, cool. If it leads out to like, well, maybe I'll get together with this one person who's also been really cautious, cool. But I think we all have to kind of make that decision for ourselves. And not judge, really just not judge others for a lot of things. Or, although I'm a social worker. You'd be surprised at how you can help change somebody's decision if you don't come at them with a hammer. Um, not condescending either, but, you know, just listen. You, you may be surprised at what they're going through that's leading them to that. Um, and I think, I, th- I think let's not forget that. Absolutely. Does anyone have any closing thoughts before we end? Well, I just want to say that, um, you know, through the holidays, um, it can be a stressful time for moms and babies. And, you know, if you feel, you know, a little under the weather, if you have any questions um, about breastfeeding, if you're not feeling right, um, just remember to reach out for help. Um, You know, call, um, you know, call Nurse and Chat, call the LHA League. reach out for help, you know, it's important that, um, that you stay, um, that your baby stays hydrated, obviously, but also, um, it's important to kind of stay and read your baby's cues with nursing. So you got to stay, keep nursing, um, you know, with family events and, you know, being on zoom, sometimes we forget to nurse the baby. And, you know, that's important. So don't skip those. You know, people are like, what? People forget to nurse their baby. They actually it do. It's a thing. It's a thing. Wow. They I am not a neglectful person, but it happens. Do. And it's just, people lose track of time. And if a baby's not, you know, if a baby's a pretty laid back baby, babies 
just kind of are chill. They're like, it's cool. I'll eat later. Right. So just remember to feed the baby. No, it's, I forget to eat sometimes. I just get busy. I'm doing stuff. It happens. It's legit. Um, you guys have a time for a couple easy questions? Sure. She said. <laughs> you guys are like, what is she going to do? No, I just thought there's a couple quick ones that should be pretty simple for us. Um, some of the best user-friendly resources for you recommend to your patients regarding the pandemic. Is there one easy go-to that you guys like? Like an app or a website? I have two. Good. One is the American College of OBGYN, and the other one is the CDC. Cool. We'll get those links added to the end. CDC. American. Okay. Do you have any to add? The CDC is usually our go-to. I'm all about the CDC. They seem like smart people. All righty. Um, and then the last one, are are there any virtual lactation resources available so people can't come in to see you? Uh, Absolutely. So, um, you know, for those people who have come to Nurse and Chat previously um, and LaLeche League meetings, but we're doing things very differently now. Um, so right now we are having one-on-one appointments. Um, so you have to get those scheduled. Um, but also if you would like to do something virtually, I'm happy to do Zoom um, and also, um, or, you know, on your iPhone. So, um, Fridays typically with um, nurse and chat right now are all Zoom meetings. Um, so there, the Zoom link is on the Healthy Communities Breastfeeding Coalition website. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate all your time and thoughts and smartness this morning. It's very early, so I appreciate that. I think that a lot of the things that we've talked about today actually really lead in really well to next month's topic, which is going to be about um, postpartum mood disorder and how this time of year is hard anyway for all mental health issues. But, you know, we add in the holidays where maybe you can't visit and the pandemic and the stress of a new baby. And it just seems like a really good time to chat about that. So our uh, working title for that is It's Okay to Not Be Okay. And check us out next month for that.